Have you ever felt welcomed or not welcomed? you ever go to some place where everybody ignored you? Have you ever came to a place where everybody was warm and kind to you? Being a pastor, sometimes I hear it from both ways. Pastor, your church is very friendly and warm and outgoing. I think that's wonderful. Or pastor, not a single person said hello to me. Sometimes I watch when visitors come. Are people warm and kind to them? Or they're pretty much left to themselves? Have you ever felt welcomed or not welcomed? I went to my (coughs) class reunion a few years ago, and a classmate of mine belongs to a biker group. And he said, I heard you're a pastor, Kurt. Yeah. He said, I went to church once. I said, it's wonderful. But nobody said hello to me. I said, oh, that's not good. He goes, however, when I'm in my biker group and I'm wearing my coat, no matter where I go, everyone seems to be very what? Friendly and warm and caring. And you know, just like your church does good for others, even our biker groups, we do all sorts of fundraisers. Sometimes it's hard to argue with that. Have you ever felt welcomed or not welcomed? I was at this sporting event yesterday where the home team made the away away team feel very unwelcomed, okay? Didn't seem to bother me at all. You ever felt welcomed? or unwelcomed, what made it seem that way. Now, for those of you old enough, maybe you can recall these words. Maybe we can learn a lesson from cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everyone knows you're what? And they're always glad you what? Please welcomed. Always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows you're what? A place to feel welcomed. A place that's open and welcoming to us. In Pastor Lisher's book, Open Secrets, he tells of a heart-wrenching story about a woman called Terry and about her mother. Her mother, Terry, was found pregnant outside of marriage, and it was due to a prominent son of a member of the congregation, a very well-known and utmost respected family, and she's pregnant by the prominent member's son, and she's ostracized. How could she do such a thing? All the blame was put on her, and her only recourse was to leave the church. Now, she wasn't the only one who was involved with it, of course, but she felt not welcomed there. She used to break into the church so she can go and pray because she no longer felt welcome there. Why? Well, look who's involved. The most prominent member's son's involved with me, and I'm the one who's taken the blame and shame. Terry learned that from her mother. And later in life, sadly, as happened so often, Terry found herself pregnant outside of marriage again, hurting and wanting. However, this time, her stepfather was rather abusive to her. Her stepfather couldn't believe that such a thing would have happened to her after it happened with her mother. And he began to abuse her, and she left her home. So here's a family whose mother and whose daughter was pushed out of a church and pushed out of home. And likewise... Terry found her place self-breaking into church and praying. And one day, she broke into the church, and she actually sat where the pastor sat, and there she was praying. And the pastor stopped by later in the evening. He had some odds and ends to do. He turned on the church lights, and there was Terry praying. he never seen her before. What are you doing here in the dark? And there is an opportunity to draw somebody in. A story of neglect, a story of shame, and a story of pain but yet of hope. And so God reminds us 
Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance of faith. I think that was Terry and her mother's prayer. In spite of sin in the past, let us draw near to God. See, drawing near to God and to each other is hard in a sinful world because there's hurt and pain. And we can all relate to that. People we don't like to talk to, people who don't like to talk to us. Why? Because there's hurt and pain and there is shame and there is a divide. It's hard to draw near when we're separated by hurt and by pain. We live in a sinful world. Now, we all know this all too well. We live in a very divided world, a world that's separated by what? Race or the conceptions or the discussion of race. It is ever live today as it ever has been. A world that's separated by the last name. Terry didn't have the right last name. She didn't fit in. She was ostracized. You ever lived someplace where you didn't have the right last name and you really didn't sort of fit in just because my last name was different? A world that's separated by income. You know what I'm talking about. Different places. People who have certain privilege, people who don't, based upon their income. A world that's separated by different viewpoints. Well, that person doesn't see eye to eye with me. We're a different political party. I have a different opinion than that person. And sin divides. Or a past history. Yeah, we go way back. And things haven't been settled. That was part of Terry's story. Things go way back. My mom got pushed out of church. I know what it's like. I'm getting pushed out of my home. You see, sin separates. It separates and it divides. Sometimes we can be separated from God. How? Because of ignorance. I don't know the real God. No one's ever introduced me to the real God. I don't know much about God. I don't know much about church. It just doesn't make sense to me. And we're separated from God due to our ignorance of the basics. Or, even worse yet, what? Arrogance. I happen to already know it all. Thank you very much. I don't need to hear any of your religion. A world separated from God due to ignorance and worse yet, arrogance. My mind's made up, thank you very much. Or, shame. A little bit of Terry. Shame. Separated from God due to ignorance, arrogance, or shame. You know, when people leave, when there's separation and somebody leaves, there's two types of way that people leave. Now, Terry was sort of like a tortoise. You see the tortoise up, tortoise up there? Well, the turtle sort of packs itself in. That's what Terry and her mother did. They, she packed herself in, and she broke into the church so she could pray. She didn't make a big, big stink out of it. No pun intended. She just separated herself. Some people, when they leave and they get really mad, I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to sort of take it in. I'm going to suck it all in. I'm not going to say anything. But some people leave and they're skunks. What does a skunk do? It sprays. Let's a stink out. Don't go back to that church. They're not nice. Pastor's not nice. Don't go back to that church. I had a really bad, had a really bad experience with that group. Don't go to them. And due to sin and separation, some people live as, leave, leave as tortoises, tortoises. They sort of pack and they don't say anything. But other people spray and they stink and they make a big fuss. This is what happens with sin. Now, this is a story that we've heard a lot of, but let me share a different angle on it. Uh, it's St. Paul. Can you, read, can you read the verse up there with me? It's up on the screen. A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel, grace and peace to you from God our Father 
and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those all sound like very churchy, religiously words, grace and peace. But remember, Saul used to persecute the church. Saul killed Christians. For Saul to become a Christian is like Saddam Hussein becoming a Christian and becoming your pastor. It's that sort of thing. Saul had that sort of reputation. But he was set apart from God. He was drawn in. Notice what he says. A servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart. He was drawn in. And finally, when he says says those words, grace and peace, he knows what he's talking about. Because I used to persecute the church. God's grace brought me in. You see, for someone who feels separated, we have a great high priest over the house of God. Now, I'm not sure if you know what a priest does, so let me share what a priest does. In the Old Testament, being part of the Jewish community, if I'd sin, I'd have to bring a certain sacrifice. Now, I've heard this before. Some parents share with me. It's really hard getting everyone around and coming to church, trying to get two or three kids around, get myself ready. It's really hard. It's really a stress on me. I think that's some, some of the reasons why sometimes people don't come to church. But imagine this if you had to bring a sacrifice as well. Well, what were my sins that I've done? And I have to bring a sacrifice according to that. Well, I'm going to bring my kids. Does somebody have a dove? Does somebody bring the goat? Does somebody have this money here? We need to bring a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, people brought sacrifices. And what do priests do? Well, priests made intercessions. They you bring your sacrifice, and the priest would pray to God that God might forgive you. In some ways, I'm like a priest. I mean, you confess your sins to God. We announce it to you. I announce it to you. But the priest made intercessions through the sacrifice. And, and the, the priest made sacrifices, and you bring a sacrifice in, and the animal is sacrificed, and you'd be freed from that sin. But it pointed to something far greater. Do you know what I'm talking about? The what? Jesus. So imagine that. Now I don't have to get myself around to come to church, but I also need to bring my sacrifice, and the priest would sacrifice it. And that was what a priest would do. A priest would make sort of peace between us and God. And once a year, the priest would enter the Holy Holies behind the curtain. Usually it was a rope tied around the priest's ankle in case something happened to the priest. They could drag him back out because to enter into the Holy Holies inappropriate would mean my life from God. So that's what a priest did. They'd make intercessions. Make intercessions. But we have a great high priest. Jesus was sacrificed how many times? Once for who? All. That's a wonderful Bible verse to memorize. Jesus died once for all. Say it after me. Jesus died once for all. You heard me say this last week about my confirmation. That'd be a great verse for me to be assigned in confirmation. Jesus died once for all, right? You can all remember that? Sort of like Jesus wept. That's a great verse to memorize. And he sits at God's right hand. He makes intercessions for us. He speaks for us in faith, for us sinners, to God. And we can now enter the most holy place. He opened the curtain. Do you remember when the curtain was torn? When Jesus what? Died. The temple curtain was torn. It's no longer effective. Jesus opened that curtain for us, drawn in. Jesus said this, When I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all people to me. It's true. All people are being drawn to Jesus across the globe. He is the great high priest once and forever. And Jesus is all in to invite people in. Let me just go through who Jesus invited in. Well, the woman caught in adultery. Remember, we talked about her about two weeks ago. She's being stoned. 
Jesus drew her in. Where are your accusers? They left. Neither do I accuse you. Jesus drew draw people in. Matthew, the tax collector, he is a cheat. Jesus drew him in. He called him. What are you doing calling that guy in? He cheats people. He's with them. The centurion, the outsider, Jesus drew him in. The little children, well, it's wonderful to have a third, and eighth, third through eighth grade choir singing, but sometimes we say children are to be seen, but not what? Get them out of here. Get, get, get my, all sorts of stuff, climbing all over everything. But Jesus drew them in. Let the little children what? Come to me and hinder them not, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus drew in the diseased and the lepers. Remember the leper colony? I don't want to get leprosy. He drew them in. Jesus is all about drawing people in. He drew in the thief on the cross, enough said. He stole money. He was being crucified. The loudmouths didn't know it all. You ever met a loudmouth? Kept their mouth running? Hopefully you're not talking about my sermons, okay? Um, Jesus drew him in. Jesus drew in his spiritual opponents, the Pharisees. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus wanted to find out about Jesus, so he came into him at night. I heard he was once called Nick at night. Get it? Nick at night? Come here, Jesus. Jesus did what? Drew him in. Jesus drew all these people, and then finally, who does he draw in? Say it. Do you see yourselves in some of these people? Maybe loudmouth, maybe an outsider, maybe lust is my sin, maybe I have trouble being generous, whatever. Jesus draws us in. The Son of Man, will, when he's crucified, he'll draw all people to himself. He came that we might be drawn to God and to each other. So Jesus comes and we're drawn in. He's a high priest who forgives. Read the first verse with me, can you please? Spur on each other, one another, toward love and good deeds. Friends in Christ, one of my most um, active um, lay members of my previous church really didn't want to come to church. He just happened to marry a Lutheran school teacher. So she brought him to church. And there was heel scuff marks in the parking lot and scuff marks down the hallway. I mean, he was being drugged in. He really didn't want to be there and said, how am I going to be able to go walk and sit in church, you know? He sort of had maybe not the best past. He didn't know um, any, anything about the church out of ignorance. And when he walked into the church, he had to climb some steps to get to the narthex. And there he saw two of his friends. You know what he said? He told me, I can do this. My two friends are up here. Let us spur on one another with what? Good works. You ever spur somebody on, come to church, sit with me, I'll help you, come to life with God, that sort of thing, spur on. And then, can you read B with me? Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, we're, we're in the process of calling an associate pastor, and a couple weeks ago we had some Zoom or Skype face-to-face meetings with associate pastors, And one associate pastor, he said something rather profound. He goes, one of the challenges I deal with now are people who due to COVID have fell out of the habit of what? Worshiping. I'm not saying this so much about guilt. Have you ever fell out of the habit of coming to worship? You know, let us not give up that habit. Let's spur one another on. Get that habit back. It's a really good habit to have. I'm not bragging. Every morning I go to work out. I don't like getting up at 625. I drag myself to the gym, but I can't give up the what? The habit. It's good for me. Let us not give up the habit of being together. Create that habit. Let us mean together. Spur one another on. I can do this. I see somebody I know. Let us spur one another on. 
that people might be drawn into Jesus, not separated, but drawn into God's grace. Jesus, the high priest who takes away our sins and leads us to forgive each other, take each other's sins away. What a blessing that is. And so, can you all read this with me? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Friends in Christ, hopefully there's no sin that keeps you separated from God. God has forgiven them all. Friends in Christ, we are forgiven and cleansed. In Christ, our high priest, we're drawn to him. So how about this for a closing thought? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.